0: You are listening to the Next Best Picture Podcast, and this is our review of Unseen. Your life slips away from you, you know? Changing your phone number and your email becomes normal. Taking out a restraining order, normal. Relocating to another city, normal. Normal. But you still see your stalker everywhere? Rationally, I know this is my imagination, but I'm alone in a strange city and I never feel safe. There's some more forms you need to fill out. It's just routine. I finished my homework. Sawyer so, Valentini, please follow me.
1: Well, look, I, I don't have a lot of time. I,
2: I should be back at work, so. What am I doing in here? Take off your clothes down to your underwear. I'm not sure what's happening here. The door's locked. It would be better for everyone, especially yourself, if you just do as I ask.
0: There's been some kind of mistake. By signing this, you've consented to voluntary commitment. I am being held here against my will.
2: Do you know how many calls the cops get like that every week? Those are from crazy people. He's here or maybe it's all in my head.
0: All right everyone, you were just listening to the trailer for Unseen and the story is as follows. Sawyer Valentini relocates from Boston to Pennsylvania to escape from the man who's been stalking her for the last 2 years while consulting with a therapist. Valentini unwittingly signs in for a voluntary 24-hour commitment to the Highland Creek Behavioral Center. Her stay at the facility soon gets extended when doctors and nurses begin to question her sanity. Sawyer now believes that one of the staffers is her stalker, and she'll do whatever it takes to stay alive and fight her way out. The film is starring Claire Foy, Joshua Leonard, Jay Farrow, Juno Temple, Amy Mullins, and Amy Irving. It is directed by Steven Soderbergh, and written by Jonathan Bernstein and James Greer. Joining me for this review, I have Jessica Pentya.
1: Hey.
0: And JC Aldridge. Hello. All right, so, um, yeah, shot exclusively on iPhone. I went into this very blind. I had no idea actually what it was about. I didn't even watch the trailer, to be honest with all of you. I just knew it was a Steven Soderbergh film starring Claire Foy shot on the iPhone and that was enough for me. And I walked out of this movie not knowing A, how to feel about it and B, unable to really um, talk about it because it was there was so much going on with it and I'm hoping now, um, a week and a half later after I've seen it, that my thoughts are fully processed and I'm able to have a discussion with the two of you about it. But to be honest... I'm more interested to know what both of you think about it because holy hell, was this a very, very, very disturbing and shocking experience.
1: Yeah. I was not ready for that one. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to watch it again. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I don't.
2: Yeah. It, um, it really hit a chord. I felt like, I felt like it like, I don't know, to be very brutal right now, I felt like it went in and grabbed one of the nerves in my arm and was just mm-hmm. pulling at the nerves in my arm, like full on that that scene in 127 hours, you know, where he's like, mm-hmm. has to cut that nerve. Oh, that's how I felt the whole movie. Oh my gosh. It, it really gives you this like very um, intense... Just stomach churning anxiety from beginning to end just from the opening shots. And I think the cinematography had a lot to do with that. Um, I don't know about y'all, but the way he filmed it, obviously with an iPhone, I'm sure helped, but it felt very claustrophobic
0: yeah
1: yeah I was really claustrophobic I kind of knew what I was getting myself into because the setup for it in the trailers made me so anxious and incredibly curious I mean it looked like it was right up my alley because I will take an interest um, into experimental stuff especially the way things are produced like that and um, although it looked at times like a low budget kind of film um, it was it was utter torture <laughs>
0: Yeah, there was a degree of paranoia, anxiety, confusion, mystery uh, to the first half of this film where the whole is she or isn't she aspect to the story was really working its way over me. Um, I was very curious at times, like how much is Steven Soderbergh letting on to the mystery here of whether or not she is truly insane? The second half in a movie, or the final 25%, goes into full blown, straight up horror mode. Mm. And that is when I felt myself like unable to breathe. I was sweating. It, it really had me on the edge of my seat as far as a thriller went, mostly because. Even though it, it does get a little campy, in my opinion, it get, it goes a little mm-hmm. overboard. I I felt like um, this is still what I interpreted must be a really intense uh, visual representation of what a lot of women go to go through, unfortunately, on a day by day basis mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. from uh, creepy men that just stalk them and won't. <laughs> won't leave them alone i mean it it really it really did a number on me i have to say i i i agree with you jess i don't think i ever want to watch it again uh because of how much it actually upset me
1: yeah and the stuff in like the um i guess the third act of it it did go really crazy it sort of lost me there sort of i don't really know where i i don't really know where my expectations lie with how i wanted it to end because it was clearly everywhere um but uh, yeah I don't want to revisit that it, I don't think it would appeal to me to watch it again knowing now what I know about it it's it's definitely um
2: I agree it's 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 very unsettling to sit through because it's something that um, like you were saying Matt women that is one of our biggest fears I mean um I was kind of I think I'd, I think I said to y'all I will never the same way again and it uh and moments like that you just are always on guard in general so this movie was just exactly all of those things that we're kind of afraid of we do carry our keys in our hands at all times and we are wary of you know a lot of people when I go out at least to bars men will think I'm being rude because I'm like not reciprocating friendliness to them or something. But that's because I'm scared that they're going to become obsessed with me and then stalk me for the rest of my life, <laughs>
0: Right.
2: <laughs> which sounds very vain. But here, clearly in this movie, you're set with this with this psychosis and, and she's experiencing these nightmares that I have all the time. So it can happen.
0: She never feels safe. There mm-hmm. is this fear and neurosis that just permeates its way through every single scene. And... You know, I I imagine both of you saw Mother last year. Yes.
1: Loved it. The
0: the unsettling and disturbing uh, aspect of that film of how she was never listened to, of how she was asking Mm. uh, people, you know, to get out of her house or, you know, don't sit on that sink, it's not braced, and, you know, nobody's listening to her. Claire Foy in this movie really uh, finds an amazing line where... She's very aggressive. She's very, very, very clear in her actions and what she's trying to achieve. And I love how the mental institution is used kind of as um, the, how do I say this? It's almost like the equivalence of um, how men sometimes, quote unquote, will say, oh, that woman is crazy. You know, don't listen to her or whatever the case might be. Oh, she's being over overreactive, over-emotional. And I found that you could watch this movie one of two ways, either as just a straight thriller, um, which I think is boring, and there's not really much there to it in that regard, even though technically it's well-made. But I think the social commentary on um, women's fears and anxieties and how they really do feel objectified by the male gaze is full-on display here, and how um, that frustration is also there as well uh, because we've seen now with the with the rise of Time's Up and Me Too for many, many years women were saying, well or at least trying to say that the, these sort of things were happening and were unable to do so or were afraid to do so and the same thing is happening to Claire Foy's character in this movie where she's speaking up and she's telling everyone around her, guys my stalker is here, hello nobody's listening mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And yet, um, I don't want to go into spoilers, but the idea of whether or not she's right or wrong, um, like I said, I I, I found that to just be such a great mystery to uh, try and solve because they do show for as much doubt as they give you um, as to whether or not if she really is, like if it is all in her mind, um, they show that she's smart, she's capable, she's strong, Mm -hmm. the way that she handles... um, People in her life, like in her in her job, in the first uh, scene of the scene of the film, it it really really sets her up to be a character that. Um, he he gives her a, enough of a balance where we, we can we can see that she's capable, but at the same time uh, there is a degree of doubt. And I and I like I said I I just love that fine line that Steven Soderbergh and Claire Foy walk in the first half of this film in regards to, well is she right or is she wrong? I don't know. I can't wait to see where the movie takes me. <laughs> and then when it does take you to where it takes you, it's like oh I kind of want to get out of here. It's
2: really <laughs> <Regret>. uncomfortable. <laughs> Matt. I'm so glad that you brought that up because um, that was probably one of my favorite things about this film was the power play between Claire Foy's Sawyer and then Joshua Leonard's David slash George um, because she really is very manipulative and she – and. And that was something that was very interesting to me. I, I love um, female characters that are very complex and have a lot of depth and aren't necessarily completely the damsel in distress. Like um, like Gone Girl, that's a perfect example of that. Mm-hmm. But um, I loved the power play here. I mean, there's scenes between the two of them where you're really not sure who's the predator and who's the prey. And she really... Um, she really kind of flips the tables and, and certain moments and which, which almost adds to the idea, like, is she, is she actually crazy? Like, is she delusional? And because in my eyes, I wonder if I did have a real stalker, would I be able to get that power over him or would I just be terrified forever? Which makes you kind of go back and forth between if this is really in her head or not. But I, I just loved that. Um, it just, it wasn't, she wasn't helpless And and she used that to her advantage. And I appreciated that.
0: No, and she's also not afraid to whoop some ass, too, if it comes down Mm -hmm. to it, you know. Oh, yeah. um, And Steven Soderbergh pushes the narrative to a point where, um, okay, you're not going away. Uh, I've told every, I, I've done everything in my power, I've elicited as much help as I possibly could, this person is clearly um, past a breaking point beyond delusional, um, I gotta kill this motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, that's, that's really what it just comes down to, yeah. and yeah. Um, that's that's really horrifying, that's a really, really scary endgame, that that's where um, that power play, like you were saying, that dynamic needs to go to um, in these in these cases. I think
1: so much of the power play, also, and I haven't seen The Crown, um, but I can say that like Claire Foy's performance, going back and forth on that, she really, she really rises up from how her character may have looked on print. You know?
0: Yeah, that's true. I, I definitely think she elevates the material.
1: Yes, so much of it is in her eyes and the facial expression, her confusion, her uh, she she's questioning what's going on. So much is happening with the face and she carries this film so much and she's quite I mean her facial expressions they make you ask you know is she insane or not
0: <laughs> it's true um but then again I think the film does a really really excellent job of asking us as the viewer to imagine ourselves in this situation and I found myself actively a rooting for her and be um Like, trying to think rationally, like, what would I do to try and manipulate the system? What would I do to try and manipulate the stalker? What would I try and do to just survive? And every single time where, like, a rational thought entered my brain of, like, okay, like, this, she needs to get the cell phone. She needs to, you know, play nice right now to fool them into a false sense of security. Whatever the case might be, she did it. She's a very, mm-hmm. very smart and resourceful character, and I oh, yeah. loved that.
2: Yeah, I agree. Um, speaking of that, I talking about the cell phone. I'm wondering what are y'all's thoughts on um, Nate or Jay Faro?
0: Uh, dark humor. You know, in terms of like, it, it, I don't know. There were times where I, because I expect him to be a funny man, obviously. Yeah. Um, I, I i questioned it at first like uh, does the movie really need like a funny character type uh right now uh but uh he did he did add a bit of levity to it because otherwise the movie just would have been torture for me um, mm-hmm. at times did anybody
1: else question his character though because he seemed oh, like the yes. only other character who was of sound mind that was somehow in there you know
0: well, yeah. they do reveal why later yeah. on. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I that too was throwing me off, and I think that's what kind of forced my interpretation of, um, what was going on. Like, like I couldn't get into the scenes at first because I just thought to myself, like, this is way too odd. Why is he so different than everybody else, et cetera, et cetera? Um, but then when the reveal happened later on in the film, it made sense. Like, like you said, on paper, um, it it made sense. I don't know if um. I don't know if the film did a good job of earning that though. Mm-hmm. That's that's that was my one complaint there cuz I thought it, I thought it was a little too neat and a little too tidy the way they uh, kind of tied that together.
2: Yeah, I I really um I really liked the so watching the movie and seeing Nate's character, I couldn't really I knew he had ulterior motives and throughout the but that's the thing is I don't really know if if that was per if that was on purpose, the way that I was feeling about his character. I feel like they wanted you to have instant trust in him and and feel like, oh, he's completely sane. But I felt like there was something off about him. and and then obviously, that's revealed later on what those motives are. And you literally, I would have never guessed that. Um, yeah. but I can't decide if that was on purpose or not. and and there and there are certain points in the film where I'm like, did did they want me to feel this uncomfortable or am I just feeling this way? (laughs) I don't know.
0: I really felt like we were just in the hands of a master filmmaker who (laughs) Mm, knows mm -hmm. how to, you know, twist, uh, twist and pull the strings on his audience and Mm -hmm. make us feel a certain way while watching this. You know, just in terms of visceral reactions, it's not a reaction that is pleasant, but. You know, when when we watch a movie and we have a joyful experience or a contemplative emotional one, we tend to praise those much more. I do think there is something to be said for um, the level of anxiety (laughs) that I felt during this movie. And I I think that is to be uh, commended to some degree or another um, on Steven Soderbergh's part for straddling that fine line although like I was saying Absolutely. I'm, I'm not praising it as like a perfect film I, I do think yeah. it does go a little off the rails a bit uh, towards the end
1: yeah and going back to Nate's character um, considering Soderbergh's filmography I think it really plays up to the mental health care theme um, like uh, similar to side effects where Rooney character is prescribe drugs that carry really troubling side effects so Soderberg obviously has an interest in this world where people mm-hmm. are becoming victims to the mental health care system. Mm-hmm. Right. So I kind of like that aspect of it.
0: Definitely. Uh, there's a lot of criticism that is thrown out in regards to um, institutionalized care here. Um, and there's a lot of great exploration uh, also. Uh, like, for example, I didn't know um, about the uh what's the word i'm thinking for here um i didn't i didn't know about the insurance companies and how they will oh, continue yeah. to pay for your stay there and when they decide to not do so that's when they release you but up until that time you can do whatever you want to try and prove that you know you're sane and that everything's fine but, but it doesn't matter as long as they keep getting their money and it's a it's a profit business at the end of the day oh yeah you know? and they got to keep people coming in to it's very spooky that. Oh, very much so. Um, Note to self, never say you have suicidal thoughts during a therapy (laughs) session. Um,
2: Oh, definitely.
0: Yeah. So, (laughs) you know, that's the the big kicker, right? I mean, they, they even say in the movie at one point, like, that was the thing that set it off pretty much for her.
2: And not and not reading the fine print. I, I am such a victim. I am so guilty of that. I don't ever read through contracts or those things when you download an app and it wants you to read the terms and agreements. And I just scroll to the bottom. <laughs> yeah, terms and conditions. Me too.
0: <laughs> well, that's actually a good tie-in. Uh, iTunes terms and conditions. This film being shot on the iPhone. Mm. Uh, I'm really curious from a stylistic standpoint and what the iPhone is able to achieve in its very distinct style. Do you, both of you, do you feel that it benefited or distracted from the overall experience?
1: Um, I think a lot of people will say that it distracted or that it lends nothing to the story or even filmmaking as a whole. But I kind of disagree with that because I think it works so well here because the quality of the way the set looks is so... Like dead and muted, kind of like Sawyer's circumstances.
2: hmm
1: I agree. Yeah, it's very gritty. It definitely
2: this is a very specific type of filmmaking that wouldn't lend well to something like a blockbuster romance. But in yeah. in this sort of setting, it works well. I feel like filming with an iPhone automatically brings a sense of um creepiness or just um what is it voyeuristic i guess and voyeurism and to the to the filmmaking which is perfect for this film in particular um i can see i could kind of see where where it might look um like jess was saying earlier very low budget because it does look low budget but in general the movie itself is sort of about low budget scenarios and kind of what you have to do with those. So I liked it a lot.
0: I don't think we're at a point where iPhone should start replacing digital cameras for all types of films. JCI right. I agree with you on that. Um, I do think for what Soderbergh was trying to accomplish here, both thematically and stylistically, I, I do think it benefits and I don't think it was a gimmick whatsoever. Um, because... That voyeuristic quality, I mean, the opening shot of the film in general, the fact that it is shot on an iPhone and the fact that that could be technically through the point of view of the stalker itself, looking at her through a phone as she's Mm -hmm. walking through the crowds in the street... um, that right away put me right into the film of, you know, this is a very creepy and unsettling film. Okay, I know what I'm getting myself into. And then as we continue to move on and we see the uh blown-out high-key lighting, the grainy quality, the fisheye lenses, <laughs> um, the odd framing, everything about it is so unlike what we're used to seeing in cinema that. I thought it lent itself incredibly well to this hallucinogenic uh, quality that he was going for, whether it was um, from her point of view of her own state of mind or her altered state of mind because of the drugs or just because of the emotional uh, effect that this whole experience with this stalker is simply having on her. After a while, and I settled into it, I forgot I was watching it on an iPhone. I was really sucked into the filmmaking Claire Foy's performance, the story, I, I forgot. There were a few moments here and there, maybe, some shots where I'm just like, ah, yeah, that definitely looks like a mm-hmm. shot on an iPhone. But I think he finds um, really innovative ways to use uh, the iPhone to his advantage. And, I mean... It's going to definitely give everyone the confidence to think, oh, I can just take my iPhone and start shooting a movie. Uh, You (laughs) you need high quality lighting. You need a lot more uh, to it than just the iPhone itself. But the possibilities are there. And I did feel that um, Steven Soderbergh, a, a person who loves filmmaking so much, Um, A part of him is definitely giving uh, rise to that idea that, hey, you know what? You want to go out and make a movie? Go out and make a movie. And you have that device that could help you do it. Oh, wait, wait, wait. I'm sorry. And one other thing, too, I also want to say. Um, There's that really, really um, creepy scene where she's checking her her own iPhone and all the messages from him. Oh, my God. Mm. And it started to make me just also wonder, I mean, I know there are other phones out there. But let's face it, iPhone is the number one phone in the world. And that idea of just stalking and um, somebody using technology as a method to do it, whether it's um, through messaging, phone calling, social media. It's not a gimmick. It works perfectly within the story.
1: Mm -hmm. It almost makes you want to delete your Facebook.
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, well, she has, and she's changed her address, and she's done yeah. everything that she can.
1: Yeah, she's been advised, you know, like don't be in anyone's photo, don't let anyone tag you, you
0: know. Oh, oh, well, wait a minute, uh, Jess. What did, without getting into the particulars of who, what did you all think of that cameo?
1: Oh my gosh,
2: he has been <laughs> in so. I just <laughs> a
1: surprise, really. Yeah, I when I saw him, I was like. Ah, oh, I see you. <laughs> you, know, you hear the voiceover and then, you, you know, you see him and it's like, what? Why are you here? Yeah. Wh- what are you doing here, buddy?
0: <laughs> and It is a little odd considering also the message of the movie and some of the oh, things yeah. that mm-hmm. he has said in the news over the last uh, couple of months. <laughs> that
2: definitely didn't lose me. Yeah.
0: Yeah. The uh, my audience had um unintentional laughter at that moment and also a bit of uh, side-eye. You know, like, mm.
1: <laughs>
0: you know, and it's interesting because you you figure Soderbergh, uh, I don't know when he shot this film. I have to look up when he actually shot it. Um, I do think it is maybe a happy accident that this film is so timely right now. But I do think that the message was intentional. I don't think that Steven Soderbergh yeah. was just like, I'm going to just shoot a straight-up thriller. You know, I, I think there was a degree of thought put into um, what might have been, like you were saying before, Jess, uh, on paper, maybe just another boring thriller. But I think Soderbergh uh, m- made it something much more than that.
2: Mm-hmm. And jumping back to um, the social media aspect, what an interesting conundrum that we've been faced with in the in this day and age because I was you know thinking to myself if somebody if I had a stalker of two years and they told me I needed to get rid of all of my social media, I'm not gonna lie. that would be very difficult because you create your whole life on social media for many of us and it might not be you know an accurate representation I mean, but it would still be very hard for me to be like, all right, I'll just delete my instagram and twitter and facebook's easy i don't ever go on facebook facebook creeps me out in general but the the other ones it would be hard that's like a very i don't know maybe i'm the only one who thought about that millennial
0: problems i think that would
1: add to the trauma too yeah it would
0: but like you were uh you know, like we were saying before, I mean, that's great that you thought about that, JC, because, um, you know, at the end of the day, as much as um, in the third act, I do think it gets a little extreme. There is a lot of uh, questionings and uh, reflection that one can take while watching this film in terms of putting themselves in the shoes of this character and wondering, what would I do that I really think lends a more personal quality to the film? Um, So many people, I think, will watch this and walk out of it and think and have a, just a very... Um, a very personal experience, one that is holistically their own. Uh, I don't think Mm -hmm. it's possible for anyone to walk out of this movie and be like, oh, well, I felt this way and someone else to turn around and be like, oh, I felt the exact same way 100%. I I don't think that's possible here.
2: Yeah, I agree.
0: Final thoughts, great out of 10, Oscar potential. Jess?
1: Well, I definitely won't be revisiting it. Like I said, I don't think I would get much out of it. It, it would be torture to watch it again. Um, and the grade, I think I'd give it, uh, seven out of 10. Um, it's, it sort of lost me in its third act, honestly. And like I said, I didn't know where I expected it to go, but, uh, it was kind of everywhere.
0: I didn't think it was going to end, honestly. Yeah. That was the scary <laughs> thought was that this was just never going to end. Um, especially when they get out of the blue room, which I thought was Mm -hmm. the climax of of the film, but it just kept going and going.
1: In a way, it sort of never ends. Oh God, oh God. (laughs) Uh, Oh, no.
0: Jess, (laughs) what are you doing to us? (laughs) I mean, it's true.
1: (laughs) Uh, Oscar potential. (laughs) I don't think I see any Oscar potential for it. I mean, unfortunately, I just feel like Claire Foy will get lost under the radar with this one. Especially when you consider like what more's to come later this year.
0: Yeah, that's true. Although, yeah. you know, in terms of the first uh, quarter of twenty eighteen, by far my favorite female performance of the year. So far. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. All right, JC.
2: Um, yeah, so this movie hit a chord for sure. Um, you know, I going I really liked it. I thought that it um, it really lends itself to the fears that women have, but also we never really touched on this. But in defense of the truly innocent men out there, this movie leaves you wondering if there's like really ever any safe zones for harassment on both sides, because you have women who have been kind of really. Um, no other words for it, fucked up by some experiences of men that can in turn negatively affect their experiences with other men who really don't have any any um, ill will towards these towards these women. And so it, it makes you wonder: like, is there any safe zone at all? And nope, there's definitely not. <laughs> there's no safety anywhere for either sex. And it's a very, that sounds so pessimistic and sad, but it, um, it really, it really hits home in a lot of ways. And I I was terrified and very shooketh. Um, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm agreeing with Jess. I'm going to give it a seven out of 10. Uh, it, it did get a little bit, hazy in certain moments for me um just because it's it's definitely not one i would see again unlike like mother i would watch mother again just because i feel like there's a million different ways to interpret that film but i don't i don't really want to interpret this film in any other way because i'm scared of what i might find if i tried so oscar potential um i, I don't think so um as, as great as I think the cinema the cinematography was and it's very experimental, I don't really think that it's something the Academy would want to necessarily give
1: awards to.
0: I think the Academy is gonna avoid this movie like the plague. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> I think I think this movie will sort of get swept under the rug. Like people will forget about it.
0: Uh, mm-hmm. I, and that's a little sad in a way because i do think the message of the film is so powerful um to the point that you were saying jc where the deeper we dig into it uh we may not like what we find but maybe we're at a point in our society where um you know toss that aside screw that no we, we need to be talking about this stuff we need to recognize this we need to have a film like this definitely you may not want it but i think it, i think it is necessary um and also, too, uh, J.C., you brought up something very interesting there as well. Um, the ending of the film, the final scene yes. of the movie, really plays into um, what you were talking about before. Um, in does one ever really feel safe? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Even, even at the end of the movie when all is settled and we think, okay, all is right with the world, everything's going to be okay. Is it, though? Is it ever really okay? Does one ever really truly move on from that that trauma?
2: And how does that affect other people around the person with the trauma?
0: Right, I, and, and that's very, and that's um, also interestingly explored too in the mental institution, where there are um, some characters. Uh, one played by Juno Temple, for example, where it seems to me that when she's left alone, she's fine. And only when she starts like coming into contact with people that get a little um, emotional, aggressive, you know, a little loud, whatever the case might be, um, that actually sets her off then. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, So I think there's something maybe to examine there just in terms of the behavioral impact that these experiences can have not just on um, yourself, but also others around you as well. Oh, man, uh, there is so much There is so much to talk about. Um, it, it, this freaking movie. Um, <laughs> Unsane is insane. Let, let's just, I, I'm going to say it like that. And I wish Claire Foy could get uh, some awards recognition for this. I truly do. I just don't think that people are going to want to give this a push. And like you were saying before, Jess, I think it is going to also be um, forgotten about, which I – which you know that's that's fine. I think there'll be uh, other movies which will uh, further this conversation. Hopefully, please, anyone. Um, and as a result of that, maybe it could be presented in a different genre format that's more uh, digestible for other audiences. But for those that are looking for a very daring, um, very intense experience, um, th- this is a this is a type of filmmaking that has a very very strong social message but at the same time uh presents enough genre thrills to keep you on the edge of your seat i might see it one more time i might Ugh. that would that would Let's see how that be, goes. That would only be to show it to um um uh, probably probably my family. I I might show this to my sister. I okay. She, I don't know if she'll like that but <laughs> uh she she likes um a lot of the same Filmmakers, actresses, uh, actors, and so on and so forth that I like, and you know, she she loves these kinds of movies that are very um, intellectual, you know, and they're not mindless entertainment. Mm-hmm. So I, mm-hmm. I, I might show it to her, and I might watch it with her, so that I can talk to her about it afterwards. I'm, I'm just really curious. That might be the only reason why I ever revisit this film, um, and that's not a that's not so much a negative thing. I actually view it as not, a positive. Yeah. I, I think that. I think that Steven Soderbergh really did his job with this one. And I think Claire Foy sold it and elevated the material beyond uh, what I was expecting. So with that said, I give it a 7 out of 10 as well. I can't give it an 8. (laughs) (laughs) I was was contemplating it, but I'm going with the 7 out of 10 as well. So wow, we're across the board. 7 out of 10.
2: Triple 7s. We just want a jackpot
0: yeah <laughs> oh nice
2: <laughs> blazing sevens oh okay matt wait just yeah. real quick because this i remember this now i don't know maybe i'll notice this when you saw it, when you saw it the first time around but matt if you didn't look out for it when you see it again the blue room scene did anybody else notice that one of the uh, blue paddings seemed to be like kicked into like it looked like it wasn't attached right and there's this little part of it where it looks like you could just pull it off and like leave it wasn't the door it was like part of the wall and oh, the blue was it
1: in the corner? yes it was in the corner I think I, think I remember that yes that
2: mm, that really bugged me because I knew it wasn't <laughs> supposed to look like that so just <laughs> keep an eye out for that
0: continuity errors um, uh huh <laughs> Good eye. I, I didn't notice it, personally, but...
1: Well, in a way, you could sort of interpret that little quirk as sort of, she's so close to freedom, sort of, but she's battling her way, and she's still enclosed into this. <laughs> <laughs> the secret meaning. Or is that overlooking?
0: <laughs> that whole sequence. That might be that might be my favorite sequence of the whole film, actually, mm-hmm. the blue.
2: Oh, it is mine, yeah.
0: Definitely. Because uh, it's got this David Lynchian uh, vibe to it. It's got... <sighs> this very dreamlike or actually no i'm gonna i'm gonna rephrase that nightmarish quality to it Mm -hmm. um that might go down as one of my favorite scenes of the year potentially i don't know but there's there's so much going on in that scene so much
2: it would be a great scene for um theatrical actors to recreate (sighs) on a
0: stage wow
1: yeah and you know it sort of uh circles the characters and it just Claire Foy just in that scene. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? When she's talking to him?
0: Yeah. Yes. Oh, definitely.
1: It just circles them in one shot, sort of. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's it's beautifully made. I loved that scene a lot.
0: All right. Well, Jess, where can I find you on the internet?
1: I'm on Twitter, uh, at the underscore cinema bliss.
0: And JC.
2: You can find me on Twitter also at JC Aldridge or over at my website, Aldridge Entertainment.
0: And you can find me at Next Best Picture. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to our review of Unsane on the Next Best Picture podcast. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Player FM, and on CastBox. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Nothing less than five stars is ever acceptable. But... Feedback is always appreciated. So if you have any feedback for us, please feel free to write a review, write some comments. We would love to hear your thoughts. Thank you so much for listening. We will see you all next time.